but we need to be really careful. I think that we are not doing that because that's very much a very similar thing that those Pharisees were doing when they brought Jesus, that adulterous woman, but yet they were all involved in their own issues of sins. And Jesus then says to them, whoever is without sin, you can cast the first stone at this woman. And then Jesus, who truly was without sin and able to cast the first stone, he forgives her. He says, go and sin no more. faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries Podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Leviticus. Hello, guys, and happy Monday. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend and were able to have some rest and relaxation. But let's start the week off by reading the Bible. What do you guys think? Let's go ahead and talk about Leviticus chapter 20, verses 9 through 16. As always, make sure to grab your Bible, unless you're driving. If you're driving, don't do that. Just go ahead and listen. (laughs) But you can grab your cup of coffee while you're driving or your cup of tea. But also, just to let you guys know, the portion we're going to be reading today is a little bit more on the graphic side of life. So if you have a kid near you, maybe now is not the best time to listen to this particular podcast episode, (laughs) because we're going to be talking about some sexual sins today. So maybe uh, wait a little bit later so that you can listen to this one alone without your children near you. But yeah, go ahead and grab your Bible, your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, and let's go ahead and start reading. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 9 through 16. For everyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon himself. The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, even he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. The man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon themselves. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed a perversion. Their blood shall be upon themselves. If a man lies with a male, as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death, and their blood shall be upon themselves. If a man takes a wife and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burned with fire, both he and they, that there may be no wickedness among you. If a man lies with an animal, he shall surely be put to death, and you shall kill the animal. If a woman approaches any animal and lies with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. So as you can see, these are all rules regarding something of a sexual nature. 
So let's talk about this. But let me just say, verse 16, I actually found sort of interesting because it says that if the woman approaches any animal and lies with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. And it says that their blood shall be upon them. That's the first time I've seen that (laughs) the animal also has fault in that, which I found kind of interesting. At least that's how I interpret it. Because it says their blood shall be upon them. In other words, it's the fault of both of them. That's what that means. Because it says in every single one of these afterward, it says their blood shall be upon them. That literally means it's their own fault. So I found that interesting that uh, the animal in this case has fault on them, but only with the woman, not with the man when it comes to bestiality. So anyway, in verse 9, it says, For everyone who curses his father or or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon himself. So the reason this one sounds so harsh is because this guy, or whoever he is, this adult child, is being killed for only cursing his father or his mother. He's not really doing them any harm. He's not actively going out and trying, like, killing them with his own hands. So that's why this one is like, man, you know, this seems just so harsh. And actually, Jesus affirmed this particular verse in, I think it was Mark chapter 7, and we talked about that, where Jesus says, it says in the law that if you curse your father or your mother, you are to be put to death. Because he was calling out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, where the Pharisees are like, oh, you know, you don't have to support your very old parents financially if they're like destitute, if you say that you're going to give that money to God instead. But Jesus was calling out how terrible that is because first and foremost, God doesn't need that money, but God does want you to protect your family. So Jesus was calling out how hypocritical that is by using this verse from Leviticus chapter 20. So the thing is, this is not talking about children. This is not even talking about teenagers. This is talking about the adult man or woman, the adult child that literally does some sort of spell or does some sort of curse, which was very um, popular to do back in these days. It had something a little bit to do with magic, literally calling down a curse of death on your parents is what pretty much every scholar out there believes that this verse is talking about. It had to do with paganism mixed with cursing your parents. So literally calling down a curse of death on your parents because you hate them so, so much. So already in Leviticus, we have seen so many things where God is talking about how you are supposed to respect older people. And it says, uh, we just talked about how it says that you're supposed to rise up before the gray hair, you know, like give them your seat, you know, respect older people. So part of it is that, but the other part is the fact that God gave you the parents you have. And a couple episodes back, actually, we talked about how to respect a parent who has, you know, done a lot of damage in your life as you were growing up. Like, how do you respect somebody like that? Well, I mean, I I talked a little bit about that, but respect looks different, I believe, for each adult child, where some children might go to the extent of having their parents come and live with them. And if that's good for their family, then great. That's awesome. 
and I have known where that's worked out. I've um, in-law apartments are really popular around where I live, where like there's two separate houses in one house where the in-law lives and then the um, children live in the other portion. So that's really popular around here. And I know a handful of people that um, have done that and their parents do in fact live with them. And in other cultures, that's the norm. So for some kids, that might be respect. But if a parent or an in-law, you know, steps all over your marriage, disrespects you and your spouse, uh, tries to insert themselves into how you raise your children and causes damage there, then maybe having your parent live with you is not obviously the best way to go. And so my mom and I have actually talked about this a handful of times. <laughs> and she actually agrees with me on a lot of this stuff, which is really interesting. But the thing is, it just depends. It depends on the family. It depends on the in-laws, the parents, whoever it is. It depends on each individual family as to what respecting your parents looks like for you. Because you can't allow your parents to walk all over you and your marriage as well. But there has to be respect in place, one way or the other. There has to be. And God makes this very clear with this rule about cursing the father or the mother. You know, you're not supposed to hate your parents so much that you're, you're wishing them dead. You're not supposed to hate them because God put those parents in that child's life for whatever reason. And God will take care of those parents if they did that child a lot of damage. But hatred is just bad in general. And Jesus himself talks about hating, you know, your brother or your sister. If you hate somebody in your heart, you're committing murder against that person because you hate them. So this is kind of the same thing. Even though this adult child mentioned here in verse 9 is not specifically going out and killing his parents with his bare hands, he still has so much hatred in his parents that he's willing to call down a curse of death on his parents. So when this happens, God says this man has committed a great sin and he needs to be put to death. Now, one thing before I move forward, let's talk about what putting to death would have looked like back in these days, because I think that's very, very important as we move forward. So Deuteronomy gives us a little bit more insight into the death penalty and the rules that are put into place regarding the death penalty back in these days. And one of the biggest rules was the fact that anybody that was considered for the death penalty had to be taken to the court and there had to be at least two witnesses with the exact same story and those two witnesses had to be willing to cast the first stone in other words they had to be willing to begin to kill this individual so that was a deterrent in and of itself of false witnesses because god says that anybody who kills a person who is innocent the, their death will be upon them and God is going to curse that particular person that does that. So the witnesses had to be so sure of what they saw that they would be willing to kill the person they testify against. Now, of course, we see that sin is so rampant that when Jesus was brought before uh, Pilate, 
there were so many false witnesses against him and they were willing to cast the first stone against Jesus because they hated Jesus so much. And clearly they did not care if uh, Jesus's blood was on them. And they actually said that. If you if you read that entire passage, it actually says, let Jesus's blood be upon us and upon our families. They hated Jesus so much that they did not care. But, you know, God was putting these rules in place for protection towards innocent people. So, I mean, these are pretty deterring things because clearly uh, if a person kills an innocent person, that required the death penalty. So that would be a deterrent for a false witness or two false witnesses to come forward with the same story to try to destroy a person. Now, the other thing was the court had to do a thorough investigation of each person, a very thorough investigation. God was really clear with that. In fact, many times he says, after you have completed a thorough investigation, then you move forward with the penalty. And since God was going to live among his people also, God would be able to give guidance through somebody like Moses or through one of the priests or through one of the judges. So even though nowadays this looks kind of to us a little primitive, this was so beyond its time period with having the two witnesses that had to have the exact same story, with having, um, you know, a thorough investigation with a court system in place, and even forcing the uh, witnesses to have to cast the first stone. And actually, on that note, if you see here in verse 10, the man who commits adultery with another man's wife, even he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So this sort of uh, piggybacks on um, that story that we see in the New Testament of Jesus forgiving the adulterous woman. She was caught in an adulterous affair. So she was having sex with a married man. And maybe she was married too. I don't know. But she was having sex with a married man and she was caught in the act. So the Pharisees bring her to Jesus and Jesus starts writing in the sand. And we don't know what he wrote. And there's so many things that like people like to speculate on that. But that's for a, a different episode. But anyway, Jesus was writing in the sand and the Pharisees are like, look at this adulterous woman. You know, what do we do with her, Jesus? Like trying to trap Jesus. So Jesus notices that there is no man they're being accused. But all these Pharisees are somehow there knowing about this adulterous affair. So Jesus calls that out. <laughs> and he's like, whatever person among you guys is without sin, let him cast the first stone, is what he says. Because Jesus very, very cleverly told the people like, look, you Pharisees are being extremely hypocritical in this. And um, obviously this woman, even though she is in the wrong, you guys are all in the wrong too. And so not one Pharisee was willing to step forward to cast the first stone. So yeah, in a situation of an adulterous affair, both the man and the woman together had to be under the death penalty. So when God makes this rule, he is calling out pretty strongly that both the man and the woman together are in the wrong. 
Moving forward, it talks about different uh, issues with incest and how that kind of stuff is supposed to be um, also part of the death penalty, specifically um, a man taking a wife that is both a mom and a daughter, like wives as both moms and daughters. So weird. Oh, that is so disgusting. And then it also says that if a man lies with his daughter-in-law, in that instance, they um, they both are be to be put to death. Also nasty. The man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. So if a son lies with his stepmother, that is a sin worthy of the death penalty, according to God. And don't forget, all of these rules, once again, had to have two witnesses that saw it. The death penalty was almost never carried out, rarely carried out, because the, there needed to be two witnesses that saw the same thing. <laughs> and usually this stuff is pretty, uh, pretty much a private affair. So this brings me to the homosexual um, union here in verse 13. You know, this one reminds me of a story in the book of Judges where a bunch of men, um, it was similar to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, actually, where a bunch of men in the streets wanted to have sex with a foreign man that was just traveling through. There was so much depravity in the streets where this terrible rape ended up happening. There was many, many witnesses that saw this happen. So to me, a lot of this stuff would have to be very much out in the open in order to have uh, witnesses that were able to see it and then thus bring them to the court and carry out the death penalty. So when God makes these rules here in Leviticus 20, a lot of this is God deterring his people from getting to a certain level of immorality where it's just like out in the streets and out in the open. Having these rules in place would deter the people from doing this kind of stuff, especially so out in the open. And if you actually look down in verse 22, it actually says, and, and we'll talk about this on Wednesday as well, but in verse 22 of Leviticus 20, it says, you shall therefore keep all my statutes and my ordinances and do them that the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. And then God even goes on to say that the people who were part of these lands, like the Canaanites and um, the Egyptians and the other places where God brought the people out of and delivered them from, these people all did these things and these were the norm, like in the streets. And we talked about uh, some of the paganism of um, the prostitutes in the temple and the people would go have sex with them and you know they thought that this stuff was holy and God is showing the people this stuff is not holy. And I mean, I guess I don't need to go into this too much, but even America has rules for public indecency. <laughs> and probably many other countries do. You know, there is a, uh, a rule that you are not allowed in America to publicly be indecent sexually with anybody because it's just wrong. You know, children shouldn't be seeing that. Adults shouldn't be seeing that. Nobody should be seeing that. <laughs> so to conclude, I'm going to say one thing. And this is going back to the story of the adulterous woman that I talked about earlier with Jesus. You know, if any of us is without sin, 
then we can cast the first stone. But guess what? None of us are without sin. I've said before on the podcast, we are all sexually broken in one way or another. I think the uh, an issue I see in the, the churches, and I'm just going to call it out, is the churches really like to focus in on homosexuality, but then they like sweep stuff under the rug about adultery and pornography, where we see that if a man or a woman are lusting after another person in their hearts, they're committing adultery. Jesus says that so clearly. And then we like sweep stuff like pornography and adultery under the rug in our churches. And I have known families in the churches that have had their families broken over incestuous issues happening in their families. But, you know, incest here, God says, is worthy of the death penalty. But yet in the churches, we just want to, like I said, you know, ignore that stuff. Because we don't want our families to look bad, but we want to focus in so strongly on homosexuality while just ignoring all this other stuff. And do I believe homosexuality is wrong? Well, yeah, I mean, I do. It's called out in scripture that it is wrong. But to me, it's a very hypocritical thing when the churches focus in so strongly on one sexual thing and ignore everything else. But we need to be really careful. I think that we are not doing that because that's very much a very similar thing that those Pharisees were doing when they brought Jesus, that adulterous woman, but yet they were all involved in their own issues of sins. And Jesus then says to them, whoever is without sin, you can cast the first stone at this woman. And then Jesus, who truly was without sin and able to cast the first stone, he forgives her. He says, go and sin no more. So that is what we need to be having a mindset towards because Jesus is obviously the person we are supposed to imitate. I mean, Christian literally means little Christ. So we're supposed to be imitating Jesus. So we can't sweep some, you know, some things under the rug and ignore them while focusing in on other things. We need to focus in on how Jesus handled situations because Jesus is the embodiment of who God is. And God is loving. You know, we look at this stuff in the Old Testament and we're just like, God is so mean, so mean. But then Jesus comes to earth, who is God in human flesh, and he is loving towards people while still following the law, while still following the Old Testament law. So he did it the right way. He was showing what it means to live a Christian life. And I actually just read a verse about this uh, today, which is so interesting. It says, uh, Colossians 1 verse 15 it says christ is the visible image of the invisible god so in other words christ or jesus really does embody who god is he's the visible image of the invisible god so he has the same beliefs the same compassion towards people jesus does as god the father did in the old testament and so i think we as christians need to do our best to embody who Christ is more because being more like Christ is being holy. So yeah, sorry this episode's a little bit on the longer side today, but there's so much I could talk about with this. And even though, you know, you and I might read this nowadays and we're just like, oh, this seems so harsh. God, I don't believe is really a harsh God and he's very forgiving and he's very loving. 
but he did put rules in place to deter his people from, you know, not being holy, from sinning. So yeah, that's what we talked about today. But you know, guys, join in tomorrow. We're going to be discussing um, more out of the book of Luke and talking about Jesus's ministry. So tune in then, 6 a.m. or whenever you wake up. But guys, happy listening and God bless. God bless.